Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is a Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 28, 28. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he's very serious about his fantasy football, Pat Flynn. And not only am I very serious about fantasy football, but I'm also very serious about being sick, which is what I am right now, which is why my voice sounds kind of weird, like somebody's pinching my nose or something. But it's all good because last week I attended Blog World Expo in Los Angeles, and now I'm in the recovery period. But you know what? It was all worth it because I had an amazing time. I got to meet up with a lot of friends who I've been friends with online for a while now, and I got to meet with, hang out with them in person, which is awesome. And I got to speak on Friday, which I'll talk to you about in a second. And I also got to attend some wonderful presentations and learn a lot too. So in this session, I'll actually be playing a re-recording of the presentation I did at Blog World Expo, which has some really important information that I just need to share with everybody because uh, I know most of you were not able to attend Blog World Expo, uh, which is fine. And the reason it's a re-recording is because things didn't go quite as planned during the live presentation. What happened was some of my slides got messed up, and uh, yeah, I, I talk all about my experience and what happened because I had prepared so much, and and you just have to see my reaction when I see that the slides are messed up. It's just, uh, you know, my, my, my buddy Cliff Ravenscraft from Podcast Answer Man captured the entire thing on tape, and it's just hilarious. Um, you know, looking back, I, re- I remember how freaked out I was when I saw the slides were messed up, but it actually worked out in my favor, and you'll, you'll see exactly why in that video. So if you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash unexpected, again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash unexpected, you'll see the video of me literally doing a double take uh, when I notice that my slides are kind of messed up during my presentation and how I handle it. A lot of, I actually, uh, not to toot my own horn, but a, a lot of people gave me praise about how I handled the situation. Uh, although I did for a split second think about just screaming or blaming somebody or, or leaving uh, their room, but I didn't do that. 
I, I handled business, as they say. And uh, yeah, again, check it out. <laughs> the, the video is hilarious. Some people actually created some animated GIFs of my double take. Uh, it actually looks like I'm flying out of my suit. Um, it's pretty hilarious. So again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash unexpected. So I'm actually going to just be playing the re-recording that I just did for you in my almost half sick voice. So again, I apologize for that, but the information is there. It's very important. And you might discover some amazing things about how I've been able to grow my brand, which you can use for you and your own business too. So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you all for your support. And for those of you who actually did go to Blog World Expo and did go to my presentation, thank you so much for your support during that whole thing. It's, it was just an amazing time and, and you are the best. And even for those of you who weren't there, you're also the best. And for those of you listening to this podcast, I love you. Thank you. Enjoy the presentation and I will talk to you on the other side of it. All right, so this is a re-recording of the presentation I did at Blog World Expo in Los Angeles 2011. It's entitled, How to Be Everywhere, Building a Profitable Brand by Thinking Outside the blog. And there are slides that go along with this. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're actually seeing the slides that I prepared for Blog World Expo. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you can view the slides at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 28. But if you're at the gym or you're on a, on you know in your car ride or something listening to the podcast, you actually don't need to watch the slides in order to get the right information. So I'll do my best to make sure that no matter where you're watching this or where you're listening to this, that you have the right information and the message that I want to give. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah. Hey everybody, my name is Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. Maybe you've read my blog. Maybe you've seen me on YouTube. Maybe you've listened to my podcast. Maybe you've seen me on other blogs. Maybe you've seen me on Facebook or Twitter. Maybe you've seen me speak live before. Or maybe you haven't. And if you haven't, that's okay because really there's no way that we can reach every single person in the world. No way. But as bloggers, there are things we can do to reach a lot more people, a lot more people than if we were to just stick with writing on our blogs. And if you're here to monetize, if you're here to make money from your blog or make more money from your blog, or even if you aren't, the fact is we all want more traffic coming to our site. We all want more eyes on our brand. And there's no better way to do this than with this idea of being everywhere. Now, there's two things that come with being everywhere. The first thing is reaching out on platforms beyond your blog to reach new audiences and get new eyes on your brand, eyes that would have never found you otherwise. The thing is, there are tons of people out there who are just hungry to devour your content, but they're never going to know about you because you're just sticking with your blog. And secondly, for the people who are already on your blog, who are already your fans, they're going to be even bigger fans because you're not just a blogger anymore. You're a multimedia machine. And so when anyone asks them, hey, who do I go for information about whatever it is, whatever niche you're in, they're going to say you because you just seem to be everywhere. Now, I want to tell you a quick story about a guy who really taught me the power of being everywhere and really what that meant. And this person, I, you probably don't know. He doesn't have a computer. He doesn't have a car. He doesn't have a cell phone. He actually doesn't even have a home. His name is Dwight Bradford, better known as the God Bless You Man. 
My first experience with the God Blessing Man was freshman year at UC Berkeley. I, I went to Cal for, uh, you know, architecture. Uh, I was born and I played with Legos. And so I went to school for architecture. I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Obviously not because I got laid off from that industry, but, you know, whatever. My first experience with the God Blessing Man was freshman year at Cal. I lived in a dorm a couple streets off campus, and in order for the students to get to class, we all had to go through this little alleyway called Sather Lane. There was like mom and pop shops and stuff in there. And at the end of this lane, every single Monday, I would see the God Bless You Man there, and he would look every single person in the eye, give him a warm smile, and say, God bless you. That's how he got his name, the God Bless You Man. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, have a great day. God bless you. God bless you. You know what the first thing he said to me was? It was welcome to Cal. God bless you. True story. And I to- I totally remember that. It's it's vivid in my head. Welcome to Cal. God bless you. He knew I was a freshman because of where he was standing. But that wasn't the only place that 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 I saw him. Every Thursday, coming out of Anthro Lecture, 2 p.m. every Thursday, 400 students would pour out of the lecture hall, and Dwight would be there, again, saying God bless you to everyone that walked by. God bless you. God bless you. I hope class went well. God bless you. I hope Anthro went well. God bless you. He knew what classes we were taking. It was awesome. And it was also awesome because he knew that it was after lunch and we all had change in our pockets. Very smart. But again, that wasn't the only place I saw him. I saw him every Saturday when there was a football game on Sprout Plaza, which is where all the pep rallies were. I knew this because I was in the band. And yes, you know, I went to band camp and did that whole thing. I was in the band, so I'd see him there, and you know what he would say? He would say, God bless you, go Bears, beat the Trojans. Or God bless you, go Bears, beat the Bruins. God bless you, go Bears, beat the the Ducks, the Beavers, the Huskies, whoever, whatever team we were playing that week. That's what he would say. He, he'd even have his little Cal hat on. He was everywhere. Everybody knew about the God bless you man. Everybody knew about the God bless you man. Some people would just keep change in their pockets just for him. I would do that. And some people actually told me that they would give him a dollar before a midterm because they thought it was good luck. Everybody knew about him. Everybody loved him because, you know, he never put a cup in your face. He never begged for money. He just gave his message, tried to make the world a better place in the way that he knew how to do it by just saying, God bless you. And people appreciated it. And as as a result, he branded himself as the God bless you man. And he just seemed to be everywhere, and everybody knew about him. Now, unfortunately, back in April of 2002, uh, I saw this in the newspaper. It's an article that said, local God bless you man remembered at Memorial. He actually passed away. He was robbed, and he get, we went to the hospital, and he passed away there. People were talking about him on forums. On forums, online, people were talking about a homeless man that everybody knew. Again, he did such a great job of branding himself and delivering a message to make people smile and make people's day better. Now, luckily, the same newspaper, the Daily Californian, this is the UC Berkeley uh, you know, student-made we- uh, newspaper. Next day, I saw an article that read, Deceased Homeless Man's Identity Mistaken for God Bless You Man. So he was still alive. He was, he was falsely identified. So, you know, we were all very happy, obviously very sad for the person who actually died, but, you know, we were very happy because uh, Dwight was still alive. So that was really cool. Now, there's a couple important lessons here. The first important lesson is this. If you're going to identify somebody, make sure you do it right. And number two, 
And most importantly, if you put yourself out there where people are and you deliver a message consistently and you try to make the world a better place, you will brand yourself. You will become known. You will become well-known. And you will be, you know, just, you'll be everywhere. So how does this translate to bloggers? It translates like this. If you just stick to your blog, you're going to limit your reach. Again, if you just stick to your blog, you're going to limit your reach. And I take this idea of being everywhere very, very seriously because back when I started the Smart Passive Income blog in October of 2008, you know, everything was great. I had all this great content to write about uh, coming off a a successful six-figure business and everything I had to talk about regarding that and some new uh, experiments and businesses that I was creating. Things were going really well for the first six months. But then that honeymoon period ended. And I know this is a honeymoon period that we all go through. And traffic just started to, you know, plateau. And the growth just started to plateau. And the same number of comments came in, same number of people commenting, and the same people commenting every single post. And, you know, for a while, I every time I pushed that publish button, I was wondering if it was really worthwhile because I wasn't growing and, and you know, I, wa- I wanted to to reach more people. And you know what got me off of those plateaus every single time? It was expanding beyond my blog, creating a YouTube channel, expanding onto iTunes and doing all these other things I'm going to be talking about. Actually, in preparation for this particular presentation, in one blog post, I had asked a question at the end. To uh, I had asked my uh, readers on the blog, on the blog only, not on iTunes, on my podcast, or not on my YouTube channel, only on the blog. I asked them to fill out a survey, which was just one question. It was, how did you find me? How did you first find out about Smart Passive Income, or how did you first hear about uh, you know, me, Pat Flynn? And the results were incredible. 1700, over 1,700 people responded in just two weeks. And what are the top three ways that people found me that are now reading my blog? Not Google, not Twitter, not Facebook, but number one, iTunes. From my podcast, 19% of people who now read my blog found me on iTunes. 16% of people who now read my blog found me on YouTube. And 15% of people who now read my blog found me from a link from another site. Together, that's 50% of the people who now read my blog found me on iTunes, on YouTube, or links from other blogs. These These are things outside of my blog. 50%. That number just blew my mind when I when I did the survey. In addition to asking that one question, I, I gave people an optional field to tell me a little bit more about how they found me. And here are some of those answers. One, I was looking for help with Facebook fan pages a long time ago and found you on YouTube and have followed you ever since. I found you, Pat, on YouTube. I'm pretty certain I discovered you while searching for YouTube videos about passive income. I was looking for a somewhat related audiobook and your podcast came up. I found you in iTunes, found you in iTunes, found you in iTunes. Here's here's another one. I'm an Aussie. I found you in iTunes while looking for business-related podcasts, and I subscribed and now read your blog also. Again, these are people that are now reading my blog who are finding me on these other platforms, on iTunes and on YouTube. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about how to be everywhere. So the first thing I'm going to go over actually is your blog. And it's really important to talk about your blog because that is, you know, where we're getting people to come to. And if your blog isn't set up properly, it's kind of just going to be a waste. So first I'm going to be talking about your blog. Then I'm going to be talking about YouTube, then iTunes, 
then a little bit about social media, and then your email list. And then I'm going to show you how we could put it all together and how it kind of just all blends into each other and works in this fantastic little strong little web that you have going for your brand. So let's start off by talking about your blog. Now I could talk about your blog all day long. You know, I could just, I really could. Uh, how it should be set up, what it should look like, optimizing conversions and, and setting up your email list and all these things. But, you know, we only have 45 minutes and I want to talk about these other platforms, uh, obviously, too. But there are three important things I want you to think about in regards to your blog before we start reaching out on these other platforms. These are three really important things that you need to think about as far as your blog. So the first thing I want to talk about is first impressions. What is the first impression people have when they come to your site? It's really important for you to understand that because there is no second chance to leave a first impression. And they say that you have seven seconds. You have seven seconds to hold someone's attention when they first arrive to your to your site. You have seven seconds to tell them exactly what your site is about. You have seven seconds to impress them or else they're going to be gone for good. So again, you have to put yourself in the shoes of those who are first arriving on your site. Now, unfortunately, we can't do that. We have this thing called the curse of knowledge and we have this unfortunate circumstance as the owners of our blogs that we're never, ever going to be able to come to our site as if we were a brand new person who's never seen it before. Obviously, we, we work on it so much, we feel like we know what's going on, but there's no way to know what it's like for a brand new person. So how would you ever know that? It's easy. You just have to ask. If you ask your Twitter followers or Facebook fans or even, you know, whoever, even your blog readers in a blog post, you know, what was the first impression that you had when you came to my site? Or what's the first thing that you see when you come to my site? Or what do you feel my site is about in the first seven seconds when you arrive? You're going to get some amazing answers and I, that I'm sure you wouldn't have ever thought about. I've done this before and it's totally, wow. I mean, just just do it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You're going to get some information that's totally going to change the way you think about how people arrive on your site. And again, that's the most important thing because you can have the best content in the world, but if your first impression is really crappy, then uh, you know they're never going to get to that content that you have. So first impressions. Next, I want to talk about direction. Are you giving people direction when they come to your site? Guidance for what you want them to do when they get there? Or are you just having them land on your site and just hoping they do whatever it is you want to do? You have to tell them what you want them to do. It's not a mean thing. You're not being mean by telling them, hey, do this or do this. You got to tell them though. You have to guide them. Um, you just have to do that. Now, here's a great example. If you go to socialtriggers.com, this is Derek Halpern's site. You've possibly heard me mention his name a number of times on my blog before. He's helped me with conversions on my site and things like this a number of times. Socialtriggers.com. If you go there and you look at what you see on the webpage, you know, I'm going to ask you this question. What does Derek want people to do when they get to a site? And it's very obvious because there's a big box there that says, you know, enter your email and click get updates. He actually tells you exactly what he wants you to do. Now, if you go to the site, now let me ask you, where's the arrow? Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I'm going to I'm going to show you where this arrow is. It's the little picture of the head that he has that is looking directly at that subscriber box. 
the, the you know the nose the nose is pointed to it it's facing that direction even the lot the eyes in that head look like they're pointed directly at that get updates button so not only in the text that you have on the site as far as guidance and, and directing people is important but also how your site is designed so your text and design have to kind of cohesively work together to get people to do what you want them to do. Now, I don't know what it is you want your you want your visitors to do. It could be like Derek to subscribe to an email list. It could be to purchase a certain product. It could be to read a certain post or, or go to a getting started page like I'm going to show you in a second. I don't know. It's up to you. You know that better than anybody else. But whatever that is, you have to direct people and give them guidance as far as how to do that. Again, both both through the text that you have on your site and call it to actions and also through design. Now, this is my homepage here. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com, you'll see a big green box that says, don't know where to start? Click here. And that is my getting started page because for a while, you know, a blog is just a huge mess of content. And 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 most blogs aren't written in a total, I mean, they're written chronologically, but as far as the content is concerned, it's all over the place. And I was getting a lot of people emailing me saying, no, Pat, you know what? I know you have great stuff, but I'm a newbie to your site. I don't even know where to begin. And for a while, I was like, oh, go to my about, oh, go to my about page. That's, that's how you can learn more about me. And they were like, no, I need to know where to start. I want to do what it is that you do. Tell me the first blog post I should read or my first steps. Tell me what to do. And then that got me thinking, you know, how many people have these getting started pages? Not very many. You know, everybody has an about page, but how many people have an actual page that tells people this is where you start. So that's what I did, and it has totally changed the way people arrive on my site. You know, you might think that some of my older readers, or, you know, my my regular readers, um, might get annoyed by a big green box on the top of my homepage. But the thing is, most of my regular readers and most of your regular readers aren't landing on your homepage. They're landing on blog posts or on pages because even when other people link to your site, some, most of most of the time it's to the great content that you've written, which are on certain posts, not your homepage. So your homepage is a great place for, uh, you know, to, to give any new visitors some information. So that's why I created this getting started page on that page. It has a video of me speaking for a minute, you know, so they can see my face and hear my voice and get that connection that way. Then it goes over some definitions and some, uh, you know, calls to actions and first steps. And, you know, I actually, you know, with doing business online, which is what my site is about, some of the first steps you have to do is sign up for domain hosting. So I have information about that in there as well with a video that walks people through how to do that. This getting started page accounts for 30% of my affiliate sales for my domain and hosting account. Now, you might not think that's a lot, but in uh, in September of 2011, I had grossed about $15,000 in affiliate sales just for domain and hosting. And 30% of it came from that getting started page. So really, you know, give new visitors a way to get started on your website. So really think about that. Again, that's my, this is my way of giving direction to my visitors. Your way of doing it is, might be different, but those are some, uh, those are some, uh, you know, clues from Derek and I there. Now, the third thing and final thing I want to talk about as far as your blog is concerned is shareability. Now, I mean this in two ways. Shareability in your content, you know, is your content awesome and epic and noteworthy and just shareable? Really, really good, useful information that just is so good that people have to share it with their followers and 
you know, are you are you making your content that excellent? And also, are you giving people the ability to share your content? You have to make it extremely easy for your visitors to share your content. The less kind of gateways or the less things they have to do in order to get to those buttons to share your content, the easier it's going to be and the more your content will be shared. Now, sharing is very important because nothing is more powerful than someone else's recommendation. Nothing is more powerful than someone else's recommendation. If you met me for the first time and I said, you know, you have to read this post or you have to buy my product, it's great, it's going to help you out, Um, I totally recommend it. That's not going to be, you know, you may or may not believe me. But if a friend of yours or someone who you already have some trust with shares my book with you, I don't, I don't have a book or anything, but, uh, or, well, I do have a free ebook at ebooks a smart way. But you know, a hypothetical product that I had, if a friend shared with you information about that product and said it really worked for them, and you already have that trust with your friend, that's a lot more. Po- that recommendation from your friend is a lot more powerful than any recommendation I could give you. So sharing is extremely important. So not only making your your content shareable, but just making it easily shareable. You know, are you giving people a ridiculously easy ability to share your content? So that's those are the important things for your blog. Again, first impressions, direction, guidance, and shareability. So now let's talk about YouTube. YouTube is crazy, okay? Three billion videos are being viewed every single day. It's the number two search engine in the world, second to Google. And who owns YouTube? Google does. And people make a living and get their careers started on YouTube. You know, I'm not asking you to create a a channel and try to become the next Justin Bieber, but if you're not utilizing YouTube and video, you're totally missing out. Like I said, 16% of the people who now read my blog found me on YouTube. Now, when I, when I tell people this and they say, you know, okay, Pat, well, what should I record? You know, I really, you could record anything you want. And the more content that you record, the better it is for, for you because you're going to get more views. You're going to just have more authority and more chances of people finding you, uh, you know, because YouTube is a search engine also. Uh, and getting back to your blog. But I usually like to give people three different things that you could record uh, just to, to kind of help guide you. Now, first thing is what I like to call video perfect content. This is content that lends itself more to the video format than you know uh, something that might not be suitable for text. So if, if, for example, I had a blog that was a beginner cooking blog and I was trying to teach people how to properly cut with a knife, you know, I could write a blog post to talk about how to properly cut with a knife. You know how chefs do it with their, uh, they, they put their fingers down and, and, and they, they curl their fingers in and they use the knuckles to guide the, the knife in the right hand. You know, even explaining it through audio is a little bit harder than if it were just recorded on video. I could really easily show how it works. It's, it's easier to create that content and it's also easier for, you know, viewers to consume that content. So what this does is it opens up a whole new realm of content a whole new realm of content that you can create for you and your brand and to help you become more of an expert and also for other people to find you on YouTube. So again, that's video perfect content. The number two is video for emphasis. Now, what I mean by that is sometimes I write a blog post and there's some important points in there that I really, really want to emphasize. And the way I do that is by creating a video that mentions those exact same points. And again, it just 
reemphasizes those points and makes it seem more important because there's an actual video about it. And also it allows me to become, uh, you know, uh, indexed in Google or in YouTube, excuse me. It allows me to become indexed in YouTube and be found through YouTube for that particular blog post. Plus, there's some SEO qualities and things going on there if you create a blog post that has a title that matches a video with the exact same title. You know, both of those come together will raise both of those in, in, in both Google and in YouTube search engines. So video for emphasis will help as well. Number three, and most importantly, answers to questions. Create videos to answer people's questions. This is really cool. And a lot of people don't know this, but my most popular video, which is entitled How to, Re- How to Create a Facebook Landing Page, a lot of people have actually used this video. The, this, you know, If you're watching this on YouTube, the, the particular screenshot you're seeing now has 160,000 views. There are actually three, actually two other videos that talk about creating a Facebook landing page. I just had to update them because Facebook keeps updating it, so I have to update the video along with it. But you know, combine that, that has about 500,000 views altogether. This was actually an answer to somebody's question. Somebody emailed me, hey, how do I, you know, capture more Facebook likes or, or you know, back then and they were fans. How do I get more fans on Facebook? Um, is there anything I could do to tell them to become a fan first? And I said, yeah, well, you know, I figured it out and created a video. And now it's my, it's, uh, excuse me, ranking number one in, in Google and YouTube for Facebook landing page. And, and it's just doing amazing things for me and my brand. And a lot of people are finding me through this video, which is, again, an answer to somebody's question. So imagine this. Somebody asks you a question, you know, for for you and your brand, asks you just a random question. And instead of just replying to that email and keeping that conversation private, you do this. You create a video that answers that question. And you can even ask that question at the beginning of the video. You you know, maybe you might not want to mention who asked it, but just say, you know, the question and then answer it. And then guess what? You can be found on YouTube for people who also have that same question because, you know, if one person asks it, they're probably not the only person in the world who has that same question. There's probably a lot of other people out there who are looking for answers. Now, you can also create a blog post that answers the same question. You can just you know, embed that same exact YouTube video. So you'd have a pillar post that answers that, that question. And here's what you do. You respond to that person. And you say, hey, that was a really great question. I actually created a video for you. Check it out. You can go to it right here. And do you think that that person who you responded to with a video is going to remember who you are? Do you think that that person is going to be happy to spread the word about you and your brand? Absolutely. So think about answering questions in the form of a video. Now, you don't have to answer all of them, but maybe, you know, the ones that come out, that, that come to you more, you know, that, may be, that might be a good sign as far as what you should answer in a video format. So now we know what to, what to record. Now the question is how to record. Now obviously you can, you know, if you're at your desk and you're recording your face, you could use your webcam or you can use something like a flip cam or something like that. Or if you want to get really fancy, you could check out, you know, uh, Gideon Shalwick's site, uh, gideonshalwick.com or problogger.net. They use DSLR cameras uh, to create some really nice looking videos, really fancy looking videos of themselves speaking on the screen. And it's really important to get a couple shots in there of yourself speaking and, and your face in there. Uh, but if you're not comfortable with that, and, and the reason why I say you, you, know, you should do that is because it kind of creates a connection and a bond between you and your audience um, that they can't get through text or even audio, really. 
but you know not all of us like to put our face on the screen and that's okay i was i was like that at first i was really scared to put my face on the screen so you might want to know how to record your desktop there, you know you can record anything that you have on your computer screen i'm actually the way i'm recording this uh this slideshow right now on youtube is using the software that I'm, I'm going to go over right now. I'm just playing this on my screen and recording this particular uh, area that has my keynote presentation. So if you're on a Mac, you can use some software called ScreenFlow. Again, that's ScreenFlow for Mac. If you're on a PC, you can use Camtasia Studio. Uh, again, that's for PC. There's actually a Camtasia for Mac too, but I use ScreenFlow. I like it a lot better. So ScreenFlow and Camtasia Studio. That's how you record your desktop and this allows you to just do a number of things you know if you're doing website reviews or you just you know you can record your own keynote or or slideshow a powerpoint slideshow presentation it's up to you again this opens up a whole new realm of content and a, a delivery format of content that you can give to your audience and it'll make you seem like that much more of an expert now i like to take this to a new level and i want you to do this too if you want to i like to write on the screen and if you've watched my YouTube videos before, you'll see or notice that I like to use a little pen tool and write on the screen. So if I'm going over websites, for example, like if you're on YouTube, you could see them. Uh, I have a screenshot of me writing on top of my site at greenexamacademy.com and circling some things and putting some percentages and stuff like that. I like to do that. It's a really great and engaging way to to hold an audience's attention and and you know it's a very it's very much like a teacher student type of thing going on there and it's it's different it helps me stand up from the crowd and so I want you to take that and roll with it if it's something you might be interested in I also like to create a blackboard that I can write on as well so in Photoshop I have a blackboard that I just created it's, it's branded actually it's a whiteboard <laughs> Uh, it's branded it has my logo on it and, the, and it has space on it for me to write so it is like it's a classroom or my own little screen that I can write on and, and uh, a lot of people dig that so you know if you're on a Mac in order to write on the screen you can use some software called Omnidazzle O-M-N-I Dazzle um, if you just look that up in Google you'll find it and it's free if you're on PC Camtasia Studio actually comes with its own pen tool in it uh, so you can record and use the pen at the same time. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried writing with a mouse before. It's really difficult. So I like to use this uh, this tool called the Wacom Bamboo Fun Tablet. It's just a tablet that comes with a pen and allows you to write on the screen as if you were writing on paper. Uh, it's really, really helpful. So that's writing on the screen if you want to know how to do that. Now, here are some tips for recording video. First tip. Do some research. If you're gonna do re if you're gonna do a video on a topic, look up that topic in YouTube first. You might find other videos, which is good, which is fine, because they'll tell you what's missing, and you, you can actually you know make your videos better than the ones that are existing. And also, they you you know some of those videos might tell you things that that you may have uh, you know you might not want to leave out. So. Uh, number one, research. Number two, tell them what you're going to tell them. The first thing you want to do anytime you create any piece of content is tell them what you're going to tell them. First, you know, for example, hey, this is Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. This video is all about how to be everywhere, how to expand outside of your blog and get new traffic and new eyes on your brand. That's the first thing you say because that just gets people prepared for what, for, for what you're about to tell them. Now, the next thing, number three, is to get to the point. People don't like fluff and don't want to listen to you ramble about random things. 
you know, they watched your video, they found your video, or they, they started to click on it, or they started to listen to it for a reason, because they want the information that you have to give them. So get to the point. Number four, not everyone loves a talking head. So I talked about it's important to sometimes record yourself, uh, you know, in your face on the screen, but you know, videos that are long, aren't always good for that. So you might want to include some images or some text or some some other sorts of video in there as well, not just your talking head. And if you're using software like ScreenFlow or Camtasia Studio, you know, you can use that uh, that that software in order to embed those images and texts and things like that. So it just, you know, your video becomes a little bit more interesting. Now number 5, always provide a call to action. If you're not doing that, you're totally leaving things on the table. You know, at the end of your video, just be like, whatever it is you want them to do. Hey, head on over to such and such website and subscribe to my email list or at least go to your website or do this or, you know, get the product at the discount price by using this coupon code or whatever. Always provide a call to action. Now, number six, make links pretty. If you are going to mention links in your video, it's best to make them easily memorable. So I like to use a WordPress plugin called Pretty Link. It takes really long links and shrinks them down. Uh, again, that's Pretty Link. You can get it for free. You can get the light version for free in the uh, WordPress plugin directory. Or if it's a really important link, you can actually buy a domain and have it forward to that link. So for example, I have a domain at patonfacebook.com. So when I tell people, you know, hey, follow Pat on Facebook at Pat on Facebook.com. It's it's very easy to remember, easy to type in, and it's not very long. So, you know, that's that's another tip for you. Number seven, you don't have to be perfect. If you if you worry too much about being being perfect, you're never gonna get a video out. The most important thing is to just do it. Number eight, you'll get better over time. I promise if you look at my first video, it's terrible. And I'm, I'm I've gotten so much better uh, since since doing these. Number nine. Emulate a style that you like. There's a ton of different ways that people do videos. Um, you know, a lot of people saw the last couple of videos I did, which had a green screen in the back with some words and, and it's kind of cut and paste version. That's actually a style that comes from a guy named Philip DeFranco on YouTube. And I really like that and I tried it out and I dig it. So find a video that you like and, and emulate the style. And number 10, have fun with it. So now let's talk about posting your video. There's some really important things that you cannot miss when you're posting your video online. So we, so we've recorded it, now we're uploading it and there's some certain things that you have to uh, remember to do. The first thing is with regards to your title. You have to make it keyword rich and you have to make it attract attention. Now I show this example uh, of a keyword um, result in YouTube of how to build a blog or how to make a blog. My result pops up number two, but I think it stands out because it's not just how to make a blog or how to build a blog in blogger.com. It's how to build a blog in less than four minutes and write your first blog post. That's pretty pretty intense stuff right there. That would attract someone's attention. And that's why that particular video gets a lot of views. So again, make the title keyword rich, include the keywords first in the title, and also make it attract attention. Number two, the description. The description is very important. The first thing you should do is always insert the URL to your blog first. Always insert the URL to your blog first in the description of your YouTube videos. If you don't do that, it's going to get hidden. And in order for people, in order for people to find that 
URL, they're going to have to click show more. Again, we want to guide people and make them not have to work so hard to get to your blog. So before you even mention anything about the video, just put your URL first and you need the HTTP colon slash slash in there in order for it to be clickable. Now, in addition to that, again, make it keyword rich and descriptive. So I, in the video, I show you an example of what it looks like with, uh, you know, in the slides, I show you an example of what it looks like with the URL showing up first. Now, next is the tags. The tags are basically relevant keywords or keywords that, are, you know, relate to the, your particular video so that YouTube will understand, you know, what search results should uh, show your video and also what other videos relate to it. Now, there's this cool trick that I talked about in another podcast episode before where I talked about YouTube strategies, and this is, this is what I like to call the piggyback trick. So this is what you do. You, uh, before you, uh, you know, you create a video, right? And you look up the video in, you look up the same terms in Google that is in the, in the title, you know, the, the target keyword that you have for your own video. So if your video is about, you know, dog training golden retrievers, you'd look up dog training golden retrievers in YouTube. Now what you do is you sort and you look for the video with the most views. This is the most popular video. You look at that video and you look at the tags and you grab the exact same tags and you put them in your own video, the exact same tags. Now what this does is it allows you to show up as a relevant video. It's, it allows you to more likely show up as a, re- as a relevant video when people watch that really popular video. Now does this work? Yes. Now let me show you, those of you who are watching this on YouTube uh, or on my blog, a screenshot of how people have most discovered my YouTube videos or have found my YouTube videos. The number one way is through YouTube-related videos. And that's, again, because of that piggyback trick. So just grabbing the same tags as a really popular video with uh, you know that's targeting the same keyword, putting it on your own video, and what happens is you will show up at, you know on the side um, or after the video is played in the related videos area. Now, the last thing about videos while you're posting them, this is really important. It's the video thumbnail. Number one, do a search for videos that, that come up with your particular keyword, and then pick the keyword thumb or pick the thumbnail, excuse me, that stands out. You can actually choose from three different thumbnails that YouTube gives you. They're pretty random. Uh, and pick just pick the one that you feel will stand out amongst the rest. And I show an example of the keyword result for passive income. If you look up passive income in YouTube, you're going to see a bunch of results. Most of them have talking heads. The one, the, the, the one that's not is mine, and that's because I selected that particular thumbnail that shows you know my little blackboard with some white scribbles and stuff. And that's the one that doesn't look like the rest, and that's why it has the most views. So now what? How else can you get your video uh, viewed? You know, you've, you've recorded it and you've uploaded it. You've done the title, description, tag, and video thumbnail thing. Now what? Here are a few things you can do. One, you can embed your video in a blog post. Like I said, there's some SEO things that are happening when you do that and it also emphasizes certain points of your blog post. Number two, you can use a WordPress plugin called TubePress, T-U-B-E-P-R-E-S-S, this allows you to put a gallery on your blog. And if you're watching this on the video, you can actually see what this looks like. If you're on my blog, you can go to videos at the top of the page and see what that looks like live. Uh, again, that's a TubePress WordPress plugin, which just pulls YouTube videos, you know, automatically from my YouTube channel and puts it on my blog. 
Number three, you could share it, obviously. Number four, you can use the Involver.com Facebook application. If you go to Involver.com, I-N-V-O-L-V-E-R.com, you can get an application that's for YouTube that puts a link underneath your profile picture in Facebook that, just like TubePress, shows a gallery of all of your YouTube videos. Uh, and here's a screenshot of it for those of you watching this on the video. If you wanted to see what that looks like, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can go to patonfacebook.com and see what it looks like live there. Next, uh, you can send a link to your email list. So there you go. So that, that's YouTube. Next, I want to talk about podcasting. Now, podcasting, you know, I was really excited to create a podcast for the Smart Passive Income blog because it's a podcast that really taught me about internet business. You know, it was Internet Business Mastery that was a podcast that I listened to while I still had my 9-to-5 job that kind of inspired me to do business online. So I knew that podcasting was a great way to reach people and teach people and, and emotionally connect with people. But I had no idea that it would have the kind of reach that it has had for me. Like I said in the beginning, number one, it's the number one way people have found my blog and are now reading my blog. You know, they found me through iTunes, which is which is sounds crazy, but it's a totally untapped platform. You know, the nice thing about podcasting is this. It's an audio show that people subscribe to. And when you create a new show, it, it automatically downloads into to their little player and they can take you anywhere. They don't have to be in front of a computer to listening to you, to be to be listening to you. They could be, uh, you know, on a, in a car they could be at the gym, on a treadmill, on a hike, on a bike ride, wherever. And they can be listening to you. They put your, they put their little headphones in and they listen to you. There are no distractions. There's no little box that they can click on to get rid of you. They're listening to you. And the thing is, there's nothing like listening to someone else's voice. You know, blogs are great. They're a great way to give information to people. But there's nothing, nothing like listening to someone else's voice voice. There's a connection. You know, you listening to me now, we have this connection because you're actually hearing my voice and you're hearing my excitement. You're hearing my passion for these these things. Those are things that you can't really get from just reading text. And think about this. How many people are traveling to and from work every single day in their cars or their trucks or whatever, and they're listening to music? Not all of them are listening to music. A lot of them are listening to podcasts. Think about the people who go to the gym and also think about how many people own iPhones or iPods or Blackberries or any little device that can play podcasts. Millions. And those are all opportunities for people to listen to you. Now, big brands know this. They know that people are listening to podcasts and that's why they're shifting from radio, which is when people can only listen to them at one certain time of the day to podcasts, which is when people can subscribe to their show and listen to them anytime and listen to them multiple times, big brands are there, like Dave Ramsey, uh, Susie Orman, Oprah, Wall Street Journal, these types of these types of things. These are this is in the business category category because that's what I know. Um, th- they know that, so that so they're there now. So the question is, can we compete with these big brands that are on there? Absolutely. I mean, here's a screenshot for those of you who are who are watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on on iTunes in a podcast, I'll describe I'll, I'll describe it for you. This is a screenshot of the top eight business podcasts in iTunes. This was taken at the end of last year in 2010. 
Number one, Dave Ramsey. Number two, The Wall Street Journal. Uh, number four, Apple. Number five, Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. Number number six, Harvard Business Review. Number seven, Mad Money with Jim Cramer. Number eight, CNBC's The Susie Orman Show. Wow. Passive Income, smartpassiveincome.com is chilling at number five, right in the middle between Dave Ramsey and Harvard and Jim Cramer and Susie Orman. Yes, it's absolutely possible to compete with these guys and to surpass them. And just imagine how it would be if you were there right amongst these big players, how, how, what kind of social proof that has for you and your brand. And you know, I didn't do anything special. I just created a podcast and had great information on it. And that this is what happens. And I've seen it time and time again. When people create podcasts, they get great, amazing exposure. It's a totally untapped realm. And the thing is, iTunes is a search engine too. It's a huge, 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 huge search engine. And unfortunately, iTunes doesn't give us the numbers as far as how many people are searching for what terms like Google or YouTube does. Uh, And yes, YouTube actually has its own keyword search engine tool. Um, But anyways, it's a search engine too. I actually rank number one for blogging, for example. And my my screenshot comes up there, my, my podcast, and also the episodes that involve blogging that I've created. So there's multiple opportunities for people to find me through iTunes, through through the search function. And I don't know if you know this, but my buddy Cliff Ravenscraft from Podcast Answer Man, uh, who's making an amazing living off of, off of podcasts now, he got his start by first creating a podcast for the show Lost. Now, I was a huge Lost fan, but I never downloaded any of the episodes onto my computer, but a lot of people did. So when they searched for Lost in iTunes, they saw those episodes that they could buy or download to their computer, but they also saw next to it the podcast that Cliff created. And I I can't remember the exact numbers. He was actually sitting in on the presentation at Blog World, and I, I had I talked to him and I let him answer. But I believe he had like 30 or 40,000 subscribers or even 60,000 subscribers who were listening to his every word through his podcast who found him through iTunes search, which is crazy. He actually had a finale for the final episode. People flew in from all around the world who were listening to his podcast to come and watch Lost with him, the final episode. Again, iTunes is an amazing platform where you can really engage with people and get to know a person uh, like you can't do with just text. So the question becomes, so how does podcasting work? Now, this was something that really bothered me because I don't know if, for those of you who've listened or have actually been on the Smart Passive Income brand for a while since the beginning, you might remember back in December of 2008, I had actually first talked about wanting to do a podcast. I've wanted to do a podcast for a very long time. And there's actually a blog post that shows me buying my equipment and actually doing a test audio uh, of the podcast and saying, you know, you know, hey, I'm going to be doing a podcast sometime. So that was in December of 2008. My first episode came out in July of 2010. That's a year and a half later. And why? Because I had no idea where to start or no idea about how it works. I thought you had to record audio and then, you know, upload it directly to iTunes. And then I'm like, how do you get it on the other directories and blah, 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 blah. I had no idea how it worked. And it's actually not that simple but it's totally worth the effort in trying to figure it out you know it's not that hard now that i know how it works but it's just trying to figure out where to start and how to do that now i want to give you a great resource this is go to learn how to podcast.com again that's learn how to podcast 
cliffravenscraft.com. That's Cliff Ravenscraft's free resource. That's three hours of video that's going to walk you step-by-step about how to create your own podcast. It's totally free. You don't even have to opt in. You can just go there and watch those eight videos right now that will teach you how to create a podcast. Again, that's learnhowtopodcast.com. But I do want to give you kind of the basic idea of how it works. First, you create an audio recording. You know, you create your episode. Then two, you upload it to a server. I use Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com to hold that content. I don't want it to be on my normal site. You know, I don't put it on my own blog because it's 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 a lot of bandwidth that gets eaten up if, if a lot of people listen to it at the same time. You could use Amazon S3, but again, S, Amazon S3 pays, you know, per you know, a certain percentage of a, of a penny per gigabyte or whatever in it. And that stuff can actually add up. Uh, so I like to use Libsyn because it's a flat fee every month. So, you know, you start with the audio recording, you upload it to a server, then you create a blog post that links to that file on that server. It'll, you know, it'll end in, in .mp3. Uh, and then you create that blog post in a podcast-specific category. And that category will have its own feed, which is what you submit to iTunes, uh, with that podcast information. And so what happens is when you create new episodes by creating a new blog post that links to the, uh, any new audio files that you create, that all, the, all those new uh, episodes get automatically syndicated into iTunes or in any other directories because it reads the feed. So it happens automatically. So you only have to really set it up one time. Then you can just create the new audio files, upload it to the server, and create the blog post uh, that links that, you know, category feed to the new audio recording and it automatically gets put up there. So that's the basic idea of how, you know, setting up a podcast and how that whole deal works. But I'm just going to give you a few tips for podcasting right now really quick. One, before you create an episode, write an outline before recording your show to help you get rid of all that dead time and, and, and saying things like, um, and uh, trying to like when you're trying to figure out what to think about next. Create an outline. It'll help big time. Number two, if you're not comfortable with doing an entire show all by yourself, and it does take practice, you can bring in guests. So bring in a guest who knows a lot about something that you believe your audience would want to listen to and have them create the content for you. You know, Have them answer all the questions. All you have to do is come up with the questions and ask them and have your guests come in and provide all the information for you. Number three, don't waste people's time. A lot of podcasts start with like two minutes of audio intro, which is, in my opinion, way too much time. And a lot of people start the episode by just talking about their day or what they did last week. And people only want to hear so much about that. So that's why in my podcast, I like to go straight to the point. So don't waste people's time. And a lot of people have said, you know, I appreciate that you don't waste my time. So don't waste people's time. (laughs) Number four, sound quality is important. And if you are going to do podcasting, knowing that it's going to bring in a lot of new traffic and new eyes on your brand, it's it's really important to do, uh, you know, some investing in into some nice equipment and stuff like that. And Cliff will go over that in learnhowtopodcast.com. Uh, he goes over the, the type of equipment and the different price levels and stuff like that. So it is important if you really do want to do podcasting and take it to the level that you should be taking it. Uh, you know, it's good to invest in a little bit of good equipment. Number five, this is something I like to do. I like to record unedited because a lot of times people, you know, they rely on the edit function of their little audio uh, recording stuff too much. And, you know, it takes up a lot of time. And then they don't become better. You know, they just rely on the editing uh, when they make mistakes. I like to keep my mistakes there. 
and listen to my audio later and learn from them. You know, I think if you listen to my first podcast episodes, they weren't as good as my last and latest ones. And that's because I record unedited. Of course, if you if you have a guests in or you do intros or outros or things like that, of course, you have to edit a little bit. But as far as the core content of the show, I like to record unedited. Number six, the title description and the host name for your podcast should be keyword rich. This is extremely important. If, if there's one tip that you're going to take away for podcasting, this one is it. Make the title, the description, and the host, your name in iTunes or whatever podcast director you're getting into. That should be keyword rich because, again, iTunes is a search engine. Now, here's a screenshot for those of you who are, who are watching this. This is my description page on iTunes. It shows you that my name is not just Pat Flynn, but it's Pat Flynn colon online entrepreneur, comma, business strategist, and blogger. So that's a bunch of keywords there. The title of the podcast is the Smart Passive Income Podcast, colon, online business, blogging, passive income, lifestyle. Again, adding keywords in there as well. It's also in the podcast description. I'm not going to read that off. And also in the you know, particular episode name, you know, the title of the episode, you can put keywords in there as well. And also in the description of the particular episodes as well. Number seven, this is important. Have awesome podcast artwork. It's really important to have great artwork because it helps you stand out on the iTunes kind of selection page where all the other podcasts are located. But not only that, it gives you a better chance of being featured as a new and noteworthy podcast. Again, not that many people are doing podcasts, but you know, some there, there are new ones that come out every once in a while, and the ones that have the better artwork are the ones that are more likely. You know, it just gives you an edge as far as, as iTunes and Apple picking you to become a new and noteworthy podcast. They don't guarantee anything as far as being featured there, but they pick based on what looks good and also what sounds good. So make sure your audio quality is good, but also make sure you have awesome podcast artwork. Number eight, include calls to actions. This is just like in the videos. You want to make sure that you include calls to actions at the end of your podcast episodes or even in the middle of them to make sure that you're getting people to do something. You're directing them and extending the conversation after the particular episode ends. Number nine, make links pretty again, just like in the videos. If you're going to do if you're going to mention links, you can use a WordPress plugin called Pretty Link to make those links nice and easy to remember. Or you can buy a domain name and have you know, that domain name forward to a particular link. That makes it even easier. Again, my example is for people who want to follow me on Facebook, you can go to patonfacebook.com. Again, people are listening to you on a podcast. They may not have the ability to write something down, so making it nice and easy to remember is the best thing to do. And number 10, on those blog posts that you create that embed those audio files, create show notes. And if you want, do transcripts as well. A lot of people have emailed me just saying thank you for, allow, for, for allowing me to read uh, your episode along with it because a lot of people you know, either don't have the ability to listen, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they're hearing impaired or maybe they're at work and they're, they don't have the audio on or whatever. So they still want to get that information and having the transcript there will help as well. So that's podcasting. So we talked about YouTube and podcasting. Now I want to talk about social media just briefly. Now social media is great because it's a great way to, to have things share, uh, be shared. And it's a great way to, to reach people uh, that you may have not reached before. But for me, actually, you know, 
I have this graph up here. It shows you the top referring sites for smart passive income from November 1st, 2010 to November 1st, 2011. The top referring site by far is Facebook.com. Facebook.com has referred over 70,000 people to my blog at smartpassiveincome.com. But if you look at the numbers closely, you can see that it only accounts for 20% new visitors. You know, all those 71,000 people, only 20% of them are new visitors. 80% of them are returning visitors. Same thing for Twitter. If you look at Twitter, it gets about 20,000 visits in a year. 22% are new visits. So actually, it's great for repeat traffic. And it's really important to get people coming back to your site as well. And that's what I like to do with social media. You know, I don't, I don't see it as a way of reaching new audiences, but I think it's a great way for people to come back to your site. And as far as being everywhere, it just seems like you're everywhere if you're on these social networking platforms. You know, people have their iPhones out and their, their little smartphones out and they're checking their Facebook, they're tr- checking their Twitter, uh, and now Google Plus all the time. So the more you can embed yourselves there, the more they're going to see you and your brand and the more they're going to think about you just throughout the day. So some some quick tips for social media. One, keep branding consistent throughout. I like to include the same exact picture through all my social media platforms. And I actually like to use my face. You uh, you know, a lot of you probably seen that black and white uh, picture of me and my face. And I think I, I like to do that because, you know, it's social media. People connect better with faces than they than they do with logos or just word or something like that. So that's why I like to keep my branding consistent and keep my face throughout. And I also like to include the same logos and images throughout all the different social media platforms. Number two, on your blog, again, are you giving people the ability to easily share your content? Number three, don't automate too much. You know, automation is good because it it, it allows it frees up some time. But if you automate too much, it takes the personality out of it. And the whole point about social media is to engage and to, you know, bring personality in, in, in to, to your connections with people. If you automate too much, you know, you're, you're, you're defeating the whole purpose of, of being on social media. You know, there's, there's great tools out there like Buffer, which allows you to, to you know, set Twitter uh, or set tweets or Facebook uh, status updates ahead of time which is great, but there are some things out there too, for example, that you know automatically post a link on your Facebook page when you publish a new blog post. You know, I don't do that because it only takes five to 10 seconds just to copy a link, paste it on Facebook, put a unique message on there and select an image that goes along with it. If you, if you, you know, were to automate it, you can't do those things and it just becomes kind of, uh, you know, lifeless. And number four, it doesn't work if you don't engage. Again, social media doesn't work if you don't engage. It's all about just interacting with people and connecting with people on a deeper level than they can with just your blog or any other any other place uh, that they're listening or watching you at. And if, if you're having trouble with engagement, the best thing you could do is just to ask. Ask people what they feel. Ask people what their opinions are. You know, a great question to ask on social media is, you know, what is the number one thing that's bothering you with blank right now? or whatever, you know, I I like to even do fill in the blanks. I like to do the, you know, fill in the blank. My number one favorite movie is, and I actually put a blank and, you know, I get 30, 40, 50 people commenting in 20 minutes, which is fantastic. And again, it might not be related to exactly what my brand is about, but it's a way for me to connect with people and for them to engage with me. And if they can do that, if they can type in something on Facebook and hit enter, that gives them, you know, uh, some more comfortability as far as, you know, 
transaction with my brand, which could lead to a future sale or a future share with some, uh, with for another piece of content or, or whatever. So those are five social media tips. Again, I'm not going to talk much about social media. A lot of you already know the things you should be doing on social media. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is your email list. Now, I asked this question during the presentation. I asked, you know, how many of you, the first thing in the morning is you check your email. And about 90% of people raise their hand. So the first thing people do in the morning, 90% of people, at least those people that were in that room, check their email, which was which is crazy. And, you know, it's maybe 91% because I do the same thing. You know, email is still the best way to reach people. And, and as far as being everywhere, you know, email is like, you know, ha- having something in your inbox is like hearing a phone ring. You know, you just have to answer it. You can't just let it go. So as far as being everywhere, if you send them an email, you know, chances are you're going to be read wherever they're at. So you can kind of embed your brand and embed your message and be a part of their lives every time you send an email. And, uh, you know, if you send that email early in the morning, you might wake up with the people on your list, uh, hypothetically, or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, let's talk about email list on your blog. It's important to, uh, uh, you know, on your blog, as far as building your email list, you have to do a couple of things. One, give your readers a reason to subscribe. And number two, give them multiple opportunities to subscribe as well. So, you know, you want to give people a reason to subscribe. If you just put an opt-in box there, people are not going to subscribe to it. You need to give them a reason. For me, I have a couple of reasons. One, you get my free ebook, ebooks the smart way. And also you get a weekly newsletter. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is getting a little hoarse here. Uh, with exclusive online business and blogging tips, stuff that you can't get on the blog. So that's my incentive. And you need to have some kind of incentive in order for people to, to subscribe. And that's how you will maximize your conversions. But also you want to give people multiple opportunities to subscribe. So I actually have my sidebar my sidebar opt-in form, which is what those of you who are watching this see now. But I also have an opt-in form at the end of my blog posts as well. And these convert pretty well. And the reason is because at the end of my blog posts, that's a great place to engage with people because they just read my entire blog post. And that's, you know, that's a perfect moment to have them do something. So, you know, they are, you know, a lot of times they sign up for my email list at that point. I also have a subscriber area or an opt-in box in the middle of my about page. This is crazy. And, and again, I have to thank my friend Derek Halpern from socialtrigger.com for pointing this out. But again, you have to check your analytics. And, and, and for me and for a lot of people, the about page is one of the most visited, po- or, uh, one of the vi- most visited pages on a blog. So he was like, dude, why don't you just add a subscriber area there? And I was like, I cannot believe I didn't even think of that because people are reading that. And again, that's a perfect time to ask for people's email addresses is on your about page. So if you don't have an opt-in form on your about page, try it out. I guarantee it will work. When I did this, my uh, the number of people who subscribed while my about page was open uh, went from 60. Now, those are the people who, who subscribed through the sidebar while my about page was open from 60 to 404 in just a month because all I did was just ask them for their email just right in the middle of the content. Um, it's, it's, it's great. So the question is, how do you be everywhere via email? You know, I sort of answered that already, but again, another great way is through your autoresponder 
again, that's how you can be even in more places than than one. Because, you know, at least for me and my my email list, when people sign up, they have 30 emails that they get week after week, or sometimes I, I wait two weeks in between each email. And that's a great way for me to automatically keep a connection with people for, for almost an entire year after they subscribe. And so I will consistently remind them about my brand and who I am and have them consistently keep coming back to the blog. And again, I don't sell anything on my email list. It's all about providing content and getting people to come back on the blog. And on the blog, that's where any sort of transactions or promotions or any any monetization or any kind of that stuff goes on. You know, I don't monetize on social media. I don't monetize on YouTube. I don't monetize on my email list. It's all about bringing people you know, giving people a ton of content in these other areas, being found in these other areas too, although with email, you know, that that's all internal uh, and bringing them back to your blog. So that's how you sort of be everywhere with emails by utilizing your autoresponder. You know, you're, you're totally underutilizing your email list if you don't have an autoresponder set up already. All right, so let's talk about the big picture. Okay, you have your blog, you create your YouTube channel and you, you create your iTunes podcast and you have those pointing back to your blog. You know, people are finding you on YouTube and iTunes and are coming back to your blog. And I like to call this the content trifecta. This is what I have. You know, if you, if you understand or have been a part of the Smart Passive Income blog, you know that I have my blog, which is my main kind of hub or home for my brand. But I also have a very strong YouTube channel and a really thriving iTunes podcast with, you know, a, a great number of subscribers. Now, together, this creates this whole kind of triforce or this 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 content trifecta I like to call it it's a really strong way to create a brand again I'm not just a blog but I have this trifecta of content which is fantastic because it does a number of things you know it allows people no matter how they consume content it allows them to find me or for people who are on my site who want to consume my content in any which way they can do that so for readers people who like to read they have my blog for people who like to listen, they have iTunes. For pe- for people who like to watch, they have YouTube. It's this really, really powerful thing that's going on. And, you know, I, during the presentation, I gave this example. You know, I, I asked everyone, you know, uh, who has an affiliate product that they promote on their site? And most of the, most of the audience raised their hand. And I said, okay, and, and for those of you listening or watching, I want you to think about this too what is one affiliate product that you have on your site? Think about that. Now, imagine writing a blog post uh, about that particular affiliate product. You know, your experiences about it, your the good things you experienced about it, the bad things, and, and really revealing as much information as you can about your experience with this affiliate product. And I hope that if you're promoting something as an affiliate, that you've used it and that you have experience with it. I would never risk promoting something as an affiliate unless I, you know, I have experience with it because, you know, did you know that the, the, the definition of affiliate is an official connection with another brand or another product? I would not make an official connection with something that I knew nothing about. Okay. So anyways, you know, with this product that I know about, I would write this blog or, you know, think about writing a blog post about it and reviewing it and and giving as much information to any potential people who might think about buying this product. But in addition to the, to the blog content, add some videos, you know, add two videos, three videos, four videos showing more information about that product, 
So what happens is that blog post becomes a pillar post, the ultimate resource for people who are thinking about buying this product as well. So that gives you a better chance of being found in Google for this particular product, uh, you know, for, for having a review for this particular product, but it also gives you a chance to be found in YouTube as well. Now think about this. Let's take it to, to the next level. You get the person who created that product. You find the owner. You get that owner on your podcast and you interview him and you ask him questions that you probably think everyone would have who is potentially thinking about buying that product, questions that you probably had before you bought that product and you have them answer. And what happens is they get to listen to the person who created that product and hopefully that person will be passionate enough about what their product is about to really convince your listeners to purchase that product through your blog, which has your affiliate link, again, which you should disclose. So people can find you on iTunes, learn about this product, and purchase it through your blog. Or people can find you on YouTube and learn about this product and purchase it from you as well. Or maybe your existing blog readers or people who find you on Google through SEO can find about, out about this product and purchase from your affiliates stuff. This is kind of how stuff works on my blog and, and why my affiliate income on, on Smart Passive Income is doing so well. You know, I haven't done the iTunes getting the owner on there quite as much, but I've done that a couple of times. I've had Corbett Barr from thinktraffic.net when I was promoting uh, Traffic School. I've had Chris uh, Guthrie from makemoneyontheinternet.com when he was promoting his Amazon uh, affiliate course. And those are still making money. Still, even those even though those episodes were from a year ago, because those are what I like to call seeds. Every time you write a blog post, every time you create a YouTube video, every time you create an iTunes podcast, those are all seeds that could potentially grow and bear fruit for you. And it's amazing. The more content you, that you create, the better. And the more that you can get content to all relate to each other in this content trifecta, like I just gave you an example with that affiliate product, creating a blog post, putting YouTube videos in it, making it the ultimate resource, giving people who are on the fence about buying that product an opportunity to listen to the owner on iTunes and have them convince them for you. That's just that's just amazing stuff. It, it's totally powerful. And this is the idea of being everywhere. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, this sounds great, Pat, you know, but I have a blog that I spend a lot of time on already and I don't have time to add a YouTube channel and, you know, how the heck am I going to add an iTunes channel on top of that with a podcast? Well, the thing is, I'm actually not adding any new content. I'm not adding any workload. You know, I have, I, I, I have a blog post schedule and sometimes instead of publishing a blog post, I'll do a YouTube video if the content, you know, is good for, for YouTube. Or sometimes, instead of doing a, a blog post, I'll do a podcast episode. So I'm not actually adding workload. I'm just changing it up every once in a while. And instead of doing a blog post, I'm doing a video. Or instead of doing a blog post, I'm doing a podcast episode. I'm mixing it up. And by doing this, it seems like I'm everywhere. People have actually emailed me and said, dude, Pat, you're everywhere. And this is how, this is how I am everywhere. And it's not that much work. I only have 37 YouTube videos. Actually, 38 once this one goes up, I believe. 37 or 38 YouTube videos. 27 podcast episodes or 28 once this one goes on live on iTunes. And that's over a two-year period. 
So when you divide that all out and you add it all up and do the math and stuff like that, that's about one every two weeks, one video or podcast every two weeks. You could probably do that, right? Especially if you're blogging already. And again, the thing is it just takes practice, you know, and it takes some effort. And if you really want to dominate the niche that you're in, you have to work for it. But this is the way to stand out. This is the way to stand out from the crowd because, you know, there's a ton of other bloggers out there. But not that many of them have a YouTube channel. Okay, some of them have a lot, you know, quite a few of them, a good percentage of them also have YouTube videos. But how many of those people also have podcast episodes? Not that very many. You have an opportunity here to do something great and take your brand to the next level. You're not just a blogger anymore. This isn't just blog world. This is the blog world in New Media Expo. So we have to think about new media as a form of traffic generation and a way to get new eyes on our brand who have never, who would never have found us otherwise. You have to think outside the blog. You have to be everywhere. Thank you. And that was the end of the presentation. And then I went to question and answers. There was actually only a couple questions. Um, so that's the presentation. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's a lot of content. Again, this was about a 60-minute presentation. Uh, and it, it went it went really well. And I'm, I'm quite proud of the content that I put out there. A lot of people are still emailing me and thanking me for the content that I produced in here. It's it's packed full of information. So feel free to, to review this and, and go over it again. And if you have any specific questions about it or anything else, you can feel free uh, to ask me. Actually, the best way to do it is to go to, to Facebook. You can go to face. Uh, you can go to Pat on Facebook.com. That'll direct you to my Facebook page, and uh, you can just ask a question there. And that's where I am the most. So uh, you can be sure that I'll probably answer your question there. Um, yeah. So I, again, I hope you enjoy this. Again, this is how to be everywhere. Building a profitable brand by thinking outside the blog by Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. And thank you for, uh, you know, dealing with my voice. I'm still recovering from blog world and, uh, you know, getting sick and stuff like that. But I really, really wanted to get this out there for you so you can get the content and start working on this stuff. And again, really, it's working, right? And and, I, and I'm kind of doing a kill two birds with one stone, uh, stone thing here because, you know, I recorded this, but I'm also doing a YouTube video at the same time. So it'll be on YouTube, it'll be on iTunes, and it'll be on a blog post. Um, so, uh, yeah, there it is. How to be everywhere. All right, guys, take care. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next time. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed the presentation. Thank you so much for spending an hour and 15 minutes with me today to listen to that. I hope you got something out of it. There's a lot to take away, a lot of information in there, but it's all good stuff that has helped me and my brand that I know that can help you in your brand as well. So a lot to think about, you know, just pick one or two things right now to really take action on and do them really. It's all about taking action. So just do them. Thank you so much. Go ahead and go over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 28. I'd love to hear what you think, and you can also watch the slides there. And if you wanted to catch my double take, you can go to smartpassiveincome.com slash unexpected uh, and have a laugh there too. So thank you so much for all of your support. I appreciate it. And thank you for all the reviews on iTunes. We're up to 250 now, which is amazing. You guys rock. More episodes coming soon. Thanks, and take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. 
So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it. 